0: Happy Father's Day. I wasn't kidding. I am going to give you a Father's Day message, and uh, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to celebrate Father's Day, and if dads, you're sitting here thinking every year he prays for me, every year he prays for me as a father, I haven't forgotten. We're doing it to the end, all right? And we pray for mothers at Mother's Day, where it's equal, it's all equal, don't worry. Um, So again, happy, happy Father's Day. Father's Day is a wonderful day. Father's Day is a complicated day for many of us. Um, Some of us had amazing relationships with our fathers and still do. Some of us had amazing relationships with our fathers, but our fathers have gone on to be with Jesus. Uh, Not every one of us had a great relationship or any relationship with our fathers, and it is the great wound of our life. Maybe we just simply miss our fathers because they're not here anymore, and we would give an awful lot to have one more conversation with them. I think another reason why Father's Day is complicated is for those of us who are fathers and grandfathers, is it's really hard to know if we're any good at it. And dad's like, am I right? Yeah. And it lots of times can feel like you're failing. And, you know, many of us, we've had... Our kids, in a fit of anger, have told us really clearly that we are failing. <laughs> Many of us have had the joy and the wonder and the pleasure of having our children tell us we're the worst dad ever because we've taken away a phone or a something or something like that. Usually when they say you're the worst ever, it's a good sign that you're actually really doing well. I think, I think that might be true, yeah. right? But we all probably know as fathers, probably all know as mothers, what it's like to have regrets, to wish we could have some conversations or some moments back, when we're just pretty sure we weren't the best dad ever or the best mom ever. We can remember when we were not fully present to our kids and we wish we could have that back. We can remember when we exasperated our kids When we got angry and lost our temper, we can probably remember when we disciplined too strongly or not enough. We can probably remember when we actually knew that our lives didn't match up with what we were saying to them. We can probably remember when we failed to discipline because we were distracted. We can probably remember when we didn't encourage them in faith because we were afraid or embarrassed We can probably remember when we were afraid to show vulnerability and couldn't find any emotional maturity. We can probably remember when we failed to say that I'm sorry to our kids or our wives or significant others because we felt like it would make us look weak. And those are some of the regrets on my list. I don't know if they've made it onto your list, but it's just really complicated. Maybe you can relate. It's actually hard to know if you're winning as a father. And it's, of course, hard to know sometimes if you're winning as a mother. I remember when uh, my kids were born, and, um, you know, without going into too much detail, they they took Harmony away for a while to, to do some things, and then they handed me this child, and they failed to give me the manual <laughs> on what to do when, and they left me alone in a room with this brand new baby for like an hour and no one checked on me and they failed to to realize that I had absolutely no idea what I was doing it's hard to know if you're winning so today I want to talk to us about some things from the scriptures actually from the life of King David for this is for you if you're a father it's for you if you want to be a father it's for you if you want to support a father or a husband in your life. And the things I'm going to talk about, they're, they're not actually exclusive to fathers or to males. So if you're not a father or not a male, then feel free to grab onto these for you as well. It's, there's hopefully going to be something for everyone. But I will just try and zero it right in to fathers for Father's Day. But if you are a father or a grandfather, here's what I would love for you to do today, um, to just um, just write these kind of main, not the whole thing, but the main bits down, and just over the next hours, days, weeks, just, just think about how this is going for you, and is there anything that you could grab on and reach for more in? Is there anything that you could just take a small step or even a major change towards? Is there something that the Lord is saying, Do you know, you need to undertake this great work? As a father, this is your next step. Not you're a terrible father and you're doing a bad job, but this is just simply your next step for you. The reason I chose King David is because he's complicated, a complicated man for a complicated day. He's a warrior, he's a worshiper, he's a king, he's a poet. We have all the Psalms. That he wrote. We see a man who's hungry for God's heart and for God's presence, yet we also see in the scriptures a man who sinned greatly. His sin affected many, even the whole nation at times, but he also knew how to repent and to walk humbly with God. We see a man whose family was as broken and as dark as it gets. Yet in the end, he's described as a man after God's own heart. He's complicated, so a complicated man for a complicated day. Okay, let's see if I can firstly turn this thing on. There we go, and we will jump into it. So a couple quick things, and we will be done. So the first thing I wanna talk about, uh, I've just said fathers and mothers just so we can all reach for it, Um, but fathers especially think about and reach for legacy. Legacy is an important word for us here, At the Vineyard, we think about it a lot. We're slightly obsessed with it, I hope in a good way. Uh, What are legacies? Legacies are things that are handed down from one generation to the next, or from one person or group to the next, or something like that. Legacies are something someone contends for and stewards in such a way that momentum is built around it, and then that momentum is passed around to others. A legacy overflows beyond the person and allows those who come after them to walk easily in something that the founder... The, the patriarch or the matriarch had to contend for. So somebody fights for something, it becomes accessible, there's momentum around it, and the next generation can walk far easier in it than the founders had to. And it's a legacy that has passed on. And in the life of David, he passes on legacy to his son Solomon. That's what we're going to look at really, really quickly here. First Chronicles 17.1, this is David. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under a tent. So for David, what you have to understand about David is there's this intersection of worship and the presence of God meets national life, and he's the king, and it's going to be like a legacy of worship and God's presence for the nations, cascading. That's his vision. That's his life. That's what God has done through him. He's the greatest king Israel had known. And this is his legacy that he's looking to pass on. And when he says, I'm living in a palace or a house of cedar, he's got a great situation. But the Ark of the Covenant, which Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, any fans, you know what I'm talking about. That's the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the Israelites carried this thing around, and it was actually the locuses of God's presence on earth, Okay. And so it represents God's presence, and it represents worship, and it's in a tabernacle or a tent. So David's like, I don't want this. This isn't right. I want my legacy to be passed down. I want something different. I want God to have a house that's fitting for who God is. And right now, he's in a tent, and I'm in a palace. This doesn't seem right, and I want to do something, and I want to do something for worship for the nation. I want to do something that honors God and gives the nation a locus or a place to worship that's fitting for Yeah, so that's what he's talking about here. But God speaks through Nathan the prophet and gives him a very interesting response. That night, the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, you are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. So God says, I'm sorry, it's not for you. It's not for you. And he goes on to say, I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. So God says to David, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you one. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. Saying, David, you want to build me a temple for worship now? I'm going to give you a legacy of worship and my presence for generations through your family. That's what God says. And this is how God works. When we submit ourselves to him, when we seek him, he builds things in our lives that are to overflow far beyond us. He builds legacies in us. Now, a sobering thought. We're all building a legacy right now in our lives. So we're building things. We're, we have things that we will pass on or are already passing on. Everyone on earth does that. The question is, is it is a positive legacy or a negative legacy? You can pass on both, and we often do. Just walk the streets of Belfast and you can see negative legacies that are cascading through generations and impacting everyone's every day, right? And even in the life of David, we're going to be kind of moving around in his life and you can read the whole thing uh, and I would encourage you to do that and think about this. Um, But one of the things we easily see in the life and family of David is David passed on a couple of legacies. One legacy is, to quote the Violent Femmes, one of my favorite bands from a long, long time ago, is David had girl trouble. He had girl trouble. You can listen to that song. It's a bit rude. Just be warned. Uh, But anyway, I didn't get much sleep last night. I probably should have gone to bed earlier. Um, And he passed on Girl trouble. He passed it on to his sons, Amnon. This is a horrible story, his son Amnon. And he passed it on to his son Solomon, who started off well, but then didn't end well. The question is, what kind of a legacy are we passing on? What kind of a legacy will yours be? See, fathers, and of course mothers, but for Father's Day, fathers think about and dream about and partner with God to build legacies in their families, in their workplaces, in their churches, in their cities, and God often uses their biological family or their biological children, but frequently also uses their spiritual family and their spiritual children so fathers and mothers, they think about that. They dream about that. And if we want to, uh, you know, the t-shirts for Father's Day, best dad ever and all that. So if we want to like get into best dad ever category, we've got to start thinking and dreaming about legacy and playing the long game. And you you might be sitting here like, well, well how, how would we even start that? How do we begin that? Like, where do not even know? I never thought about that before. Well, we just live differently when we think about Legacy. Because all of a sudden we're thinking about what do I need to do now so something happens then. And it's actually a powerful motivation for self denial now because we want something more than we want our own comfort. We want something more for the future than we want our own convenience. We want to do something powerful or see something powerful or profound in our city or it's cascading through the lives of our children who are coming after us. We want to see something operative in the lives of our grandchildren so we're able to say no to our comfort and our apathy and our shame and our brokenness now so something happens later. It's actually quite a powerful motive. We, we live differently in the presence and power of the Lord. So how do you even begin? Well, David has this interesting... Uh, uh, phrase, so here oh, we go, here we go, ah, here we go. Uh, First Chronicles 22, 6-7, then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel, so we're going to talk a bit more about this in a second, but um, David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God, that's a very important phrase when you're talking about legacy, I had it in my heart, what's in your heart, and that's where I think you begin. What has God placed in your heart? If you don't know, spend some time thinking and praying. That's actually mission critical and job one. Fathers, we go off the rails. We don't have a mission. We don't have a purpose. So what's your mission and what's your purpose? David knew it was about the nation and it was about worship and the nation worshiping the one true God for generations. And he was going to build the house himself. God said no. So he just passes it on to Solomon. But it was in his heart to do it. What's in your heart? A great clue for what is your heart, in your heart is to allow yourself to daydream. See, I just gave you permission in church during a sermon to daydream. You can do it without guilt now. What do you, what, like, how, you know, I would love to see this. I would, I would love to see this. If money, if I had all the money in the world, I would do this. I wouldn't buy a jet ski for myself. I'd do this with it. If I knew I couldn't fail, I'd do this. Those are the kind of things that are in your heart when you catch yourself daydreaming. Another way to look at what might be on your life is to look at what might be on your family. What are the themes that keep showing up in your life or your family's life? What going back was on your family? What has been cascading down? For some of you, it's a legacy in business. For some of you, it's a legacy of service in um, things, places like the NHS or, or something like that. For some of you, um, you are children of pastors. And that's been a really hard journey. But there's a legacy there. And just from the Lord, I always say to you, don't run. Don't run from it. Don't run from that one. So what is like on your family? What's on your life for Harmony and myself? There's just, no matter how hard we try and outrun it, there's worship, there's intimacy with Jesus, there's church planting. It follows us around. Even when we try and say, Lord, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. It just keeps happening. Even when we say we're not going to lead worship anymore, well, I don't have a problem. No one asked me to lead worship. But when Harmony says, I'm not going to lead worship anymore, it just keeps happening. When I say, Do you know what? We're tired as a church. We've done six kind of sending things in five years. We're wrecked, we're knackered, but I'm not going to talk about church planting. The Lord says, guess what? You're going to talk about church planting. What's on your life? What's cascading down through the generations? Another clue is what do you see in your city that needs to change? What do you see around you that breaks your heart? What is the thing that you're saying right now? Somebody somewhere ought to do something about that. Maybe that's a clue to what is in your heart. I would just say, pay attention to that phrase. I had it in my heart. What's in your heart to do? And listen, it's not just a warm, fuzzy thought. It led to real action in the real world. And what if some legacies get lost if you don't steward them? And what if some legacies that God is asking of you will get lost if you don't steward them? Would you begin to think about that this Father's Day? as you get your mug that says best dad ever and all that stuff. Would you dare to dream for more? For you and for your children and for your family and for your city and beyond. Fathers and mothers also challenge and champion. They don't just think about legacy, they challenge and champion. So we'll see David really challenge Solomon, like charge him in front of the nation. He charges him. So now I charge you, in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord, be strong and do the work. That's your father, like, he stands you up in front of people, like, get her done. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And then he says to him, be strong, like, man up. That's what he's saying to his son, be strong and do the work. I just think expectation can be an incredible gift. I reflect on my own relationship with my father. I reflect on my relationship with my spiritual father and the godly man who've mentored in me and shaped me. They all, they, they would tell me they love me and that's great, but they also told me they expected something of me. Expectation can be an incredible gift. And fathers and mothers, but especially fathers, help and challenge and call their biological and spiritual children to do and be more than they think they can be and do. See, Solomon is this young man, and the nation's in front of him, and his dad is like the hero beyond hero, warrior king. And he's supposed to build this temple, and his dad is looking at him saying, Get it done. There's an expectation. And he probably would be like me, like, I probably can't do that. But his dad is saying, you can do that. You can do that. See, fathers see what others can't see yet. Fathers see what their children aren't seeing yet. And they encourage and challenge and expect them to reach a standard. They model things out to their children. And then they say, you can do this. You can go for this. I'm expecting you to do this. And you can take a risk and you can succeed. Go further, go farther, and don't be afraid. Be strong and do the work. He calls them to attain something. He calls Solomon to live a life that matters for the sake of God and for the sake of the nation. But that's not all. He doesn't just set this expectation. Because many of us, you're like... I don't feel good about this because I had loads of expectations on me and no love and it broke me. So the other thing that David does for Solomon, see verse 10 is be strong and do the work. And then verse 11 is then David gave. So his dad challenges him in front of the nation and then he gives them, gives his son Solomon. He gives him plans for the temple because the Holy spirit gave them to David And it goes on and on. And throughout the literature about David passing on the legacy to Solomon, let's see, what else? They see he gave him plans for the temple. He gave him vast sums of money for the temple project. In other words, he paid for it. David gave Solomon access to his key friends who were rich and helping him rule the nation. And he said, do whatever Solomon tells you to do. Give your own money to this project and back my son. So he gives him equity. And then in verses 20 and onwards into 21, he says this to his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. So He tells him not only to get it done, he tells him, I'm for you and God's for you. And here's all the money and the friends and the relationships and the plans. Here's everything you need. So he challenges him, but he champions him. He says, no, get out there and do it. I'm behind you. I believe in you. And he sets his son up to flourish because he's done all he can to pass on a legacy. For all of us, do we do that for people in our life? Do we do that in our families, in our workplaces, are the teams that we lead or are part of our staff teams that we have, whatever we have. Do we love like fathers and mothers who don't just call people to more and challenge them, but also sacrifice to set them up for success. And since it's father's day, dads, do your kids flourish in that beautiful combination of calling them to more than they think they can be, but also absolute commitment to helping them get there without regard to yourself. Are you their biggest encourager? Do you call them to anything? Are there boundaries and blessings? Do you cast vision for their life? Are you setting them up to reach for more without fear? So fathers and mothers also have powerful friends. If you read the life of David, you go through the whole thing, you see he's constantly cultivating friendships and is surrounded by friendships that protect him and also push him to be more than he currently is. He had a friendship with Jonathan, who is the son of King Saul, which means he was the heir apparent, right? And Saul ended up starting off okay and ended up not doing so well. And so the Lord said, no more Saul, it's going to be David and David's anointed king. So, but David cultivated this relationship with Jonathan. Jonathan and David were committed to one another. And even when David was anointed and chosen by king and Saul, Jonathan's father, was rejected, meaning Jonathan is not going to be the king. Jonathan, what does he do? He defends and he protects David and he honors the Lord in relationship with David because they have this love and worship of the Lord in common. They both were warriors, but they're both worshipers, committed to serving the Lord, but also committed to helping each other. That's the kind of friendship David cultivated. You also search the scriptures and you see David's mighty men who he just was always surrounded by warriors who were secure and brave and devoted to David. There's one, I can't remember his name, but he took a spear off a Philistine and killed the man with his own fear. And then it says spear, and then it says something like, he descended into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. You probably couldn't take him, this guy. (laughs) He just constantly had these types of men around him. He also kept wise men close to him who heard from God, and also gave God's wisdom to him. But it's really interesting. Lots of kings only want good news. And so if a prophet or a wise man or a soothsayer or whatever you want to call them. Gave him bad news. Often they lost their head. But not David. He kept wise men close to him who weren't afraid of him. And weren't afraid to tell him the truth. And confront him when he'd sinned and was walking away from God. Nathan the prophet He's always giving David God's wisdom as you read the story of David, but he also confronts him in 2 Samuel chapter 12 after stealing another man's wife, Bathsheba. I told you he had girl trouble. Nathan confronts David and calls him out at great risk to himself. Gad He's another prophet that's always around David speaking God's words of wisdom to him. He's a source of wisdom. David cultivated friendships that brought wisdom and he empowered people in those friendships to confront him. And when they did confront him, he listened. If you want to do this well, as a man, as a woman, as a father, as a mother cultivating key friendships are vital and listen friendships like we're talking about with david and friendships like these that are key for us they're more cultivated over time than begun in an instant so are you taking risks to build those kinds of friendships friendships with people who are strong friendships with people who are secure in and of themselves Friendships with people who are devoted to you but not codependent on you. Friendships with people who are devoted to Jesus themselves. Friendships with people who will stand with you and fight for you. And friendships with people who will also challenge you and confront you. Do you empower people around you to confront you? Do you seek their wisdom and when they give it to you, do you listen? When it comes to faith and life with Jesus and friendships, have you chosen people and cultivated friendships with people who draw you closer into life with Jesus and his community? Or have you chosen people who do the opposite and give you permission and excuses to disengage with God, disengage with community, and disengage with family? What if that were different? I just think we need a team, we need a community. You might be sitting here thinking, look, I never had that. Andy, you talk about spiritual fathers, you talk about friendships and friends. and I never had that, and I don't even know how to get that. Well, I'm going to tell you how I got that. First thing was I prayed for it a lot over about two and a half years. So pray for it, and don't stop. But here's the thing. You have to take them when God brings them. And you don't get to pick. The most powerful relationships in my life, in this department, have been ones I didn't pick. They're the ones God brought. And they might not have been the ones in the natural that I would have chosen. But God knows better than I do and he knows better than you do. So take the ones he's bringing you. I think many of us have Missed some of these friendships. Because they weren't the ones that we would pick. But they're actually the ones that the Holy Spirit is picking for you. He's probably going to surprise you with who he picks. They're probably going to be from a different background. They might be from a different race. They might have a completely different story. They probably didn't go to your primary school with you. But God brings them into your life. And it's special and it's powerful. It's always been the case with me. Second thing is you need to take some risks. We're pretty risk-averse these days with friendships. So that's probably going to have to change. You probably are going to need to initiate some things. You're probably going to need to invite people that you think God might be initiating friendship with you into deeper expressions of friendship, which means risk, which means you're probably going to have to be vulnerable and drop some of the shields that we put up. It might mean that you need to stick around and not run when the first thing happens that you get offended at, and you're like, oh, I told you they were bad. I'm out of here. We're definitely going to need to work at it. But the reward is worth it. Third thing is, I had some work that I needed to do with me. I needed to be prepared to be the kind of friend that I was looking for for me in return. I had to prepare to be that. And I had to remember that, look, it's not all about me. I need to give myself to this relationship. They need to receive just as much, if not more, from this friendship as I do. And that's a journey of intimacy with Jesus. So I would say that's how you get those things. And I would say pray. Be open and go get your team. Fathers and mothers passionately pursue God and pass on the faith. The scriptures themselves refer to David as a man after God's own heart. We've talked about that. You can't look at the life of David and not think about his passion for God and his raw worship. It's what Samuel the prophet saw in David at the start. Um, and then, book of Acts. This is like the New Testament, the leaders of the New Testament church talking about about David, this is, this is generations after David. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I wanted him to do. That's how he's remembered. A man after God's own heart. If you look through the story of David, David's worship calmed King Saul, who was troubled by demons. The only thing that would calm him is David worshiping. Tells you he's pursuing God. When the ark of God, representing the very presence of God, was brought to Jerusalem, he led the parade, stripped down almost naked, and danced with all his might. That's pretty passionate. In the midst of one of the worst moments of his life, the loss of his child, David goes into the sanctuary before the altar of the Lord, and he worships. You only need to read the Psalms to see his worship and his vulnerability. And at the end, his focus and passion and legacy is all about the nation worshiping and pursuing the presence of God. David was many things, but he was first and foremost a passionate pursuer of God. And he passed on to Solomon how to walk as a man after God's own heart. And he passed on the faith to Solomon. So now, he's talking to Solomon. I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord... And in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with a wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Tell Solomon, the Lord searches the heart, so keep yourself pure. He tells them, seek him and he will be found. He tells them, if you prioritize worship in his presence, it will go well for you. If you forsake him, it will not go well for you. So David knows this the hard way. When David was passionately pursuing God, all that he had authority over flourished, was thriving, and grew. When he wasn't worshiping the Lord, when he gives in to lust. When he gives in to believing his own press about his power and his success, when he gives in to boredom and when he gives in to apathy, his family and the whole nation suffers greatly. When he should have been fighting with his armies, he was at home bored and ended up lusting after Bathsheba, another man's wife, and ended up having his her husband murdered and he ended up taking his, uh, the other man's wife. When he was at the height of his power, he thought he could do whatever he wanted because he was all that. And he thought his success had more to do with him than with what the Lord had done in his life. He then decided to conduct a census of his fighting men to see his own power, authority, and glory. When he failed to father his children well and to act decisively, when one sinned horribly against the other, untold calamity and destruction and grief was brought upon his own family as well as the nation. Our life with God directly impacts whatever we have authority over. And we have a huge role in passing on the faith to our children. And for all of us here, especially for the fathers, will you just think about what you have authority over right now? Family, a department at work, something here in the vineyard, something in your community or our city, a team, a classroom, whatever it is. Our life with God impacts the trajectory of those around us and those we have authority over. And we can help them thrive or we can sow seeds of apathy, sin, and struggle. And it's, of course, not a simplistic formula like, look, I read my Bible today. That means my kids are going to turn out perfect and be saints. Or, do you know what? I really screwed up today and that means my kids automatically are going to be off the rails forever. That's not exactly like that. What I'm talking about more is a trajectory built up over time. I love the beautiful families in our community. You can see the legacy being passed on. You can see amazing things through the fathers and mothers here that have put down roots and served and loved Jesus in the good times and the bad times. And you're building up a legacy. I love it. You can see it. It's like a a story within our community that this is true. When we pursue God passionately, more of the kingdom is possible in our families, in the places we live, and the places we work and serve. And as part of Father's Day, will we think through the atmospheres we're creating, the cultures that we're building, the permissions that we are giving by our actions or our inaction? Will we think about the behaviors that we are enabling through our own behavior? And will we think about are we actually passing on the faith? Are we leading in that or are we abdicating in that? And are we asking for an hour and 15 minutes with our beautiful children's and youth leaders to cover what we're unwilling to do? Are we allowing others to shape and form our kids and those we love and care about? You might be sitting here thinking, I don't know how to pursue God passionately. No one ever taught me that. Fear not fear not. There are some things in our summer schools that will get you going. And then in the autumn, I'm doing a course that has the glamorous title of how to follow Jesus. And if you want, I will teach you everything I know. And you'd be able to sign up for that and we'll have a big old time. And it'll be great. But before that, key to this is pursuing friendships with those who follow Jesus well and do this well in their families and pass on faith. So you can see them. They're sitting around you. There's legends and heroes of the faith right here in this community that you can see with your own eyes. Invite them over for dinner or lunch or coffee and ask them to tell you everything that they know and to pray for you. Start there, summer school, and in the autumn, we'll get her done. It'll be great. You might be a man, and you might be sitting here thinking, all this talk about worship and loving Jesus, look, it just seems a bit soft or feminine. And we sing these songs sort of like I'm singing to my girlfriend, and I'm just, like, struggling with that. I read an article about a church who specializes in attracting men to church, and the pre-service music is Led Zeppelin and ACDC. Woo! Oh, yeah! (laughs) Which apparently, there's an appetite for. <laughs> Maybe I should rethink what I was about to just say next. But anyway, we could do that. If that brings you, if that you come more than one in four, I'm in. All right. Oh, But listen, if you feel that, probably a little Led Zeppelin isn't going to get you over the bar, right? But... What if you looked at David, who's a passionate worshiper and a warrior king? And he wrote some Jesus Is My Girlfriend songs, too. They're in the book of Psalms. And he's killed giants. And you couldn't take him. I guarantee you. I don't know all of you, but I guarantee you. You couldn't take him. The Lord wouldn't let him build the temple for him. Why? Because his hands were too covered in blood. What if it doesn't have to be soft? Better yet, instead of David, maybe we should just think about Jesus our Savior, who endured rejection and suffering and was nailed to a cross. He would not be stopped or put off in his mission of salvation. Immense strength took him to the cross. Passion and love kept him there until it was finished. And maybe the strongest thing you could do as a man, along with the smartest, is actually to live a life of passionate worship of Jesus our king so that the things that you serve and lead and love flourish over time and maybe the weakest thing you could actually do is hide in apathy masquerading as masculinity watching the things that you love or say you love and the things that you're called to lead go without your presence and without your passion and without your leadership. So will you model out and pass on a life of worship that's not just for you, but actually impacts things around you and passes on faith in flourishing? So here's where I stop sticking the boot in and start to try and build you up a little bit. (laughs) Fathers and mothers aren't perfect, but they're beloved by God. We've talked about David's many strengths and also his massive sins and weaknesses, and yet the scriptures call us to remember him as a man after God's own heart. He was not perfect by a long shot, but he was loved by God. And so are you. And I just want to encourage you this Father's Day to think about what we've talked about, to reach for more in areas as a father, but also in faith to lean into the mercy of God for us as men, for us as fathers, won for us by the Lord Jesus on the cross. His mercy and his forgiveness are here for you. His blood doesn't just cover the anger and the lust and the shame and the brokenness, the mistakes, the apathy, the fear, and the inaction. It does, but his resurrection... And his life also calls us to return to our assignment, to give ourselves over and over and over again to our kids, to our wives, to our workplaces, to our cities, to our church, and to lead and to serve and to love. The safest place for you as a father is in the gospel. Our sin and our shame are covered by the blood of Jesus and his resurrection and his life and his presence and his friendships calls us to be more than we could ever be. We can receive wisdom and grace and mercy from him as we surrender to him and pursue him. So wherever you are in your fatherhood today, receive the love and mercy of Jesus come to the cross again for a restart, but also receive the challenge and the backing of Jesus to rise up all over again, to live empowered, to be the best father you can possibly be, to build legacy in your family, in your workplace, and in your city. Come again to the cross. I felt like as I closed, I should... Speak this out over you. I've got 1 Chronicles up there, but it's actually John 8, so don't go to 1 Chronicles expecting to find this. It's a passage where Jesus is speaking to the woman caught in adultery, and you can read about it in John chapter 8. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But basically, all the people accusing her left because of Jesus' defense of her. And so he then speaks to the woman, and he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And if you're here as a man and as a father, and you're stuck in the list of regrets that I talked about, and it's just leading you down to, I could never go for it because look at how I've failed. Or you're just stuck wondering if you could ever be a good father or whatever it is. I just felt like I should speak Those words out over you. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. What if the gospel's true that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? What if that's true? What if that's true as fathers? One of the great cries of a man's heart is respect and for the respect of his peers. And it's great to know that you're loved. It's better as a man to know you're respected. That's part of what's hardwired into your soul. And what if you really do need other men who will back you and say, I'm with you. I'll back you. I don't condemn you. I'm backing you. I'm expecting something from you but I'm with you. I'll even sacrifice for you. Let's do this. Let's do this together. So fathers today, I just wanted to give you that gift. And if you're a dad, a grandfather, a father to be, would you just stand right now? I'm going to pray for you. But I'm also hoping to give you like a benediction. And if you're not a father and you're not standing, would you just begin to intercede for these men? So I just bless you as men. I just bless you as fathers and grandfathers. And I speak out truth that you're dearly loved by the Lord Jesus. That there's no condemnation over your life. He does not condemn you and neither do I. And he charges you to go out and leave your life of sin. And also to build legacy. And to father well. And to preach the gospel and live the gospel, and create and inspire and bless. So I bless you as dads. I bless you as men. And I just say, I'm proud to be with you. And I'll fly with you. I will do this with you. And there are many here who are saying the same. You're respected, and you're loved, and you're blessed. So receive the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. His gospel is real. His kingdom is here. And you are potent and you are powerful. And your words and your life matters. And the Lord and we honor your sacrifice and your service and your blessing that you have done your best to live out. So receive the Holy Spirit afresh. Rise up. Be clean. Be made well in Jesus' name. And run again for the sake of Jesus the kingdom your family and this nation receive the anointing and the power of the Lord one of the rest of you now stand Lord would you empower us to be fathers and mothers with our biological children but also fathers and mothers for our spiritual children in this city We pray for a great host of men, women, and children to come here and encounter fathers and mothers for the sake of the city and for the sake of your gospel. Lord, be with us. Any who are mourning and grieving this morning because of the loss of their fathers, any of who are in great pain and wounding because their fathers weren't what you intended, I pray for your comfort and your blessing. Let your mercy come, but also let your well done come. Just receive the blessing of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.